1: D-E-R-M.com.
2: Working with Yasmin Hebet might make you want to swear, if you're not afraid to. We're not. This has been your Obscenity Warning. welcome to the reading circle temple i'm molly i'm indy i'm Brittany.
3: and i'm goodwin
2: and today we're reading chapter nine of magic steps
3: so grab your cup of coffee
2: or tea or your drink of choice
4: and let's feel the burn in more ways than one (laughs) more
2: (laughs) ways than one Opens with Alzana and Nurhar visiting a healer because Alzana has a cut on her leg. The healer heals her and then they kill the healer and the healer's guard. And set prior to the place. They tell the mage, we need to get out of here. Sandri is having nightmares. So she's dreaming that she is being consumed by this unmagic. And when she wakes, she's scared because it's dark outside or it's dark inside rather, it's dark around her. And so she gets out her lamp that her friends made her. She's upset. So she goes to her treasure chest and she finds the circle of thread and holds it because she needs her friends.
4: The the circle of magic.
2: The next day, she meets Pasco in the city to meditate. He is very distracted but she's like if you can calm yourself enough to get some meditation done then we'll get to go meet your dance teacher he's very excited about this and when they get to yasmin's school he basically flips his shit because she's famous and amazing and he's like oh my god 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 and then he gets to work with yasmin And she makes him do all of these stretches and dances and just basically makes him work his ass off for a couple of hours. And his response to this, which he says to Sandry when Yasmin is out of the room is, she's a monster.
3: This is why you never meet your idols.
2: (laughs) Duke Vedras shows up around the time that they're done. And he's like, oh, I was in town. I thought that I would take you out to lunch, Sandry. Yasmin, you are welcome to join us. And she's like, oh, yes, let me get changed. And she does this. Pasco is also invited. But Pasco's like, uh, no,
5: I feel like a limp noodle. Goodbye. He just right. so happened to be in the city. and just so happened to know that Sandry was going to be at Yasmin's. Also coincidental. And he just so happened to know about the time that they would be done. (laughs) Right? Uh, Mm.
2: (music) Part one of our three-step reading process is reading like a novice. This is where we talked about what we liked and disliked about the chapter, so who wants to talk about how freaking adorable Yasmin is and how adorable Yasmin and the Duke are?
3: It's so fucking cute. I love it they're so, so much. You're so goddamn cute.
2: Also, Pasco is adorable the whole scene where they're going to Yasmin's. I love all of his interactions with Oama and Kwabin where he's, like, talking to her about, oh, who's who's my teacher going to be and I can't afford it and all this... Then Oama's like, You talk a lot for a provost's guard. And then he meets Yasmin and he says, She knows my name.
4: Absolute fanboy.
3: The squealing over the fact that she knows who he is Mm -hmm. is just fucking cute. As someone who has actively met like their. Biggest idol. I couldn't imagine him being like, hey, Natalie, because I would just die. Like
2: right there, right then and there. I would be like, nope, dead. It's it's a nice contrast with the line half a page earlier where Sandri says, Lady Sandraline Fatorin, and student to see Yasmin Hibet. And he tells her, I have a name, you know. And then right after Yasmin calls him Pasco and he's like, she knows
4: yeah, Which she, I, she already knew. He didn't have to be announced.
3: I do like that, though. He's not actually introduced. And then she's like, hey, Pasca. And she's just like, ah! Or he's just like, ah! ah this is <laughs> the best day ever! And then he's miserable, and I love it. <laughs>
4: it's hilarious, I think. In okay, case she knows my name, she's so cool. Oh, God, I'm in pain. Please make it stop. Yeah. <laughs> she's a monster.
2: <laughs> a tiny, squeaky voiced monster.
4: Dancing ain't easy.
2: No, it is not. And she tells him that, which I like. I like how she she's getting him to do these stretches, and then she's like, You want to dance, you have to work for it. I think possibly my favorite line in this chapter, although there are so many to choose from is when she's pushing him down and she's like, admire the wood grain on this floor. It's super free.
3: I love that so much. I think I highlighted that whole passage.
2: I think I looked at this and I was like, this is why I'm not an athlete.
4: I've seen scenes like that before where like, the experienced teacher is just like, being nonchalant about something, just being super like, yeah look look at this floor that i'm making you do these horrible stretches on like isn't it great like just like kind of distracting them from what they're doing but kind of making them feel bad at the same time super entertaining
5: it
3: really is
5: and then is all this also the chapter where she goes to change and then she comes back really quickly and the duke is like oh wow you changed so fast and so beautifully and she's like oh I've had practice as a painter it's like oh my god you guys are so cute they are absolutely
3: fucking adorable
5: and then the next day when Pasco comes back Yasmin asks him how are you feeling he's like terrible and she's like that's great that's what I was hoping for yeah (laughs) we'll do some more (laughs) stretches And he's like, oh, good. I like stretches.
3: (laughs) When they're in the middle of the stretches, that whole, uh, does that hurt? Just shaking his head. Well, it (laughs) should. Here, I'll make it
2: (laughs) hurt. I like when he... She has him stretch his legs out, and then she's basically, "Oh, come on, you can do better than that," and pushes her legs out against his to make them go out and pulls him forward. And then she's like, "Now hold that," and he's like,
5: "I don't think I can move." <laughs> I did have one like outside of the whole Pasco and Vedris thing, though. It yeah. was when Sandry was getting irritated with Pasco for not actually focusing on meditating. And she calls him a bleeder, and he's like, oh, You just spoke street. <laughs> like, you know, she hangs out with a street kid. Come on. Of course, she knows his language. Like, oh, she's a noble. She doesn't speak that way. <laughs> it was so funny.
4: I love how surprised he was by that.
2: It makes you wonder what people know about them because we know when Pasco meets Sandra, he's like, Holy shit, she's one of those four. But Does everybody know their, like, backgrounds?
5: Doesn't sound like it since he's (laughs) all some shock. And he's like, oh my god, a woman of your stature should not be saying these kinds of things. Just the fact that she's
3: mentioned Briar. There is a part where she mentions Briar earlier. And that he was basically a street kid. The fact that he's like, you just said that is hilarious to me because people pick up things from other people i've said it before we are just a collection of everyone we've ever met what did you think would happen if you stick those two together
5: (laughs) i don't know it kind of reminds me when we all first started hanging out and molly didn't really curse a lot around us and then she said fuck and then tk's like oh my god let molly say fuck
3: I actively remember the first time Molly said fuck in front <laughs> of us. It was like... just so
5: shocked.
2: Like <laughs> it's weird for me when people are like, you curse because I do all the time. Like Zo so to me using swear words isn't weird, but then everybody is always surprised <laughs> when I do. You just well, seem
4: like... very innocent, Molly. Yeah. You have a very innocent vibe about you. And like hearing that come from you is just like, well, the first time was like,
3: Yeah. What? Now it doesn't register. And I'm just like, oh, okay. But that first time it's just like, wait, you know those words? What <laughs> the
5: fuck? She's the Lark of the group. Yeah. So we wouldn't expect Lark to say that.
4: Yeah. Like she's capable, but you don't but expect.
5: But
2: don't expect it. Yeah. So, does anybody else have likes or dislikes beyond Yasmin and Co. being freaking adorable?
4: The circle of magic appears. Yes. Love that part.
5: But it made me sad too. Mm. Like, oh, I missed them too.
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Proper wound care. Yes. Love the description of the healer, and it's like, hey, you got to be careful for infections. Here's some medicine made me think of sulfonamide which is like that old antibacterial powder they would put in wounds during like it was like the late 30s to like world war ii Mm. and i was like maybe that's what they could be using because it didn't seem like it was magic but uh uh, i thought it was neat the dress made of pearls sounds super cool Mm. and i would like to see something like that i'm sure someone's done it maybe but it sounds neat conceptually
2: i have to remember several books from now to discuss the dress made of pearls again. it going to come up again? I don't think the dress specifically does, but that little bit where he talks about her dancing for the Emperor of Yanjing and how he made her this fancy dress reminded me of something that happened in a later
4: book. And I was like, Oh my God. So, okay. Cool.
2: Make a note. Cause I won't remember.
4: I dress. did.
3: All I I can think of is, God, that dress must be miserably heavy. That was what I thought immediately, not, oh, my God, that sounds beautiful. It was just like, oh, God, I would hate to wear that. That's probably so fucking heavy and hard to move in.
4: And imagine (laughs) if you, like, bumped into a wall or it got snagged on something, and then you just got flying everywhere. Miserable. Sounds cool. Not practical.
3: Yeah, exactly. That is a costume piece that you wear if you want to stand still and look pretty.
4: <laughs> we kind of already touched on this one, but the forceful way that Yasmin teaches compared to her like public persona of being nice. I love that contrast.
3: I love when people drop that facade of being such like a nice and pleasant person and like you can visually see them drop the facade and just say something that's just like i didn't know you knew those words
4: (laughs) (laughs) i was like it sounds like you're talking about someone in particular
3: just like in Mm -hmm. pieces of media like that right there is just chef's kiss that is very prevalent in this chapter is just that stark difference it's so fantastic yeah,
5: speaking I, of chefs they're winding circle where the hell is gorse
4: <laughs> yeah what the fuck
2: we've only been in winding circle for like one chapter of this book
5: though i don't care i
4: don't care give me gorse he's give there me. somewhere people gotta eat
5: yeah. The other three kids are not anywhere near him, so now I'm not going to be able to get him in the other three books. So Where is he in this one? He's
2: making food for the boy who's possibly going to live with Lark. Clearly, yeah, yeah.
4: I bet they're having fun, yeah. they're chasing murders around town. <laughs>
2: I would really love to see Goris interact with that boy.
4: And my last thing is Pasco is funny. He's sharp-witted. He is funny. I, I've mostly been seeing him as this kind of like shy, not wanting to be in the spotlight kind of thing, but he's funny. He is comedy.
3: He has so like, much snark. Uh,
4: for sure. <laughs> Lots of Briar vibes. He's like the, the comedic equivalent of Briar in this book so far.
5: I was waiting for him to fall asleep when they were meditating and who on his back. I'm like, this fool fell asleep, didn't he? And then he didn't. I was like, okay. I was waiting for it.
2: Pasco trying to find a way to meditate felt so real. I was like, yes, this is me when I try to meditate. The opening line
5: of this chapter oh. was like, oh, yes. someone's gonna die. Yep. And it happens. Yeah, They can't interact with anybody without somebody dying.
3: Right. I,
2: I also love... Love and don't love at the same time. Just how fucking creepy this mage is becoming. Yeah. Alzina's looking at him and she's like, when did your he, eyes, like, he no longer has white. They're eyes. all black. His eyes are just he solid He has
5: eyes. the pupils. Oof,
3: creepy. Just listening to the audiobook for just this and the next chapter, Molly and I were talking about this beforehand. The voice for the mage, like, is... <laughs> fucking spot on is- I bet he sounds super creepy. Oh my god, it <coughs> is so cool. <laughs> the only other way I can describe it is, like, I, I play a lot of Skullgirls. I hate Double. Like, I, I can't- I cannot explain why I dislike Double as much as I dislike Double, but that voice acting- Oh my god, it's so so perfect. It also reminds me of the mage's voice.
2: They're trying to get him to get them out of the out of the burning building. And he's asking them for more drugs. And Alzana says, When you get us to safety, I will give you more. I swear on my family's honor. And I was like, Well. I guess she's at least serious about that. She is one person who, if she said, I swear on my family's honor, I would know that she's not lying to me. When Pasca's trying to meditate, it says of Sandry, her concentration was also poor. Hashtag teacher life. We mentioned Sandry's pants at the beginning and how they looked like skirts. So I liked that it has Yasmin curtsy to the Duke. She curtsies as if she's wearing these big flowing skirts, even though she's not. I really liked that description. Also, this is the first time Pasco has seemed subdued in any way. Mm-hmm. He describes him at the end of the chapter as being subdued. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> this, is, this is the first time that's happened. And then I want to pose a question to y'all. Sandry goes to get her thread surf out of her treasure chest. And it struck me as interesting that it's in the bottom of her treasure chest. Because in the circle of magic, she had it like on a shelf or like her bedside table or somewhere it's very accessible. And here it's somewhere where it's very safe, but it's not exactly accessible. And so I was wondering why you guys think it might not be accessible. My thinking now that I'm talking about this is maybe it's been like a reminder to her of her friends. And so it kind of makes her sad to look at it. And so she's purposely put it away so that. She's not like thinking about them, but I don't know if y'all have other
5: thoughts. I think that, and also the fact that they probably think it as much considering they're not all together anymore either. So it's just kind of in the way I'm sure. So if I'm not using it, let me put it somewhere. It can be safe because they've got, they've gotten quite for now. Everyone knows who they are and someone might try to take that circle since it's pretty powerful and put it somewhere to keep it safe since they're not using it
3: i can't remember the word for it that nico uses but it is such a powerful magical object
2: Yeah,
3: and the fact that she's not constantly dealing with mages but there are a lot currently around her that she's interacting with if someone were to take it and use it we don't know what would happen we don't know how it would affect the four because this is so greatly tied with their powers and it's tied them together if anything were to happen to it what would happen to them ultimately
4: i think it's her maybe trying to not rely on it because i know that it does have power and like she said earlier in the book she was saying that she was trying to not rely on uh, her friends as much like obviously she still nice. cares about them they're they're closer than family but trying not to use it as a crutch maybe and if it's down there she's less tempted to to do so.
3: I genuinely love the line. She felt nothing but mild disgust. Now they would have to wash the coins. Oh yeah, that is such a telling sentence about how she kind of thinks and how she feels about interacting with other people it's just so good it's both a like and a dislike for this one I love the description but the content is really stressful and upsetting when she's having nightmares and she's Talking about how it the pool is deeper than she remembers and how gooey it is and how hard it is to move through it. It's really upsetting, but it is a beautiful visual. I think we talked about the uh, I have a singular job, everything that's going on. Sandry's like, I'm super stressed about all of this, but I literally only have one job, and that's to teach a quote. Silly boy to keep a thought in his head longer than a sneeze. (laughs) (laughs) I like that Sandry also just gets super pissy when Pasco's talking about his uncle talking about how useless Pasco's power is. And she's just like, he doesn't get to say a fucking thing about it because he doesn't know what's going on. So he could just basically eat a bag of dicks.
2: (laughs) I love that, too
3: the back and forth between Oama and Pasco about the uh, we don't want the Duke's guard blabbing the secrets. Well, we'd have to be interested in them to
4: steal them.
2: (laughs) I love Oama and Quabbin so much.
3: Yes.
4: I really like that because it, it kind of gives you a little world building between the Harriers and the guards. They're separate entities and they kind of already have their jokes set up about what they do with each other or how they feel about each other. It's it's good world yeah. building.
3: Yeah, it's it's very nice in the sense of... You don't have to have a lot of knowledge about either of them to understand kind of how their relationship works. It is very nice because the Harriers seem to be more on the ground dealing with people and the guard only really deals with the people who have to be dealt with. So it's just, it's really nice. (laughs) You have the manners of a goat. (laughs) I want to know, like, I watch a lot of animal videos because animals make me happy. I want to know how many goats she actually knows because most of them are actually really polite and gentle. They don't really, there, there are some that get uppity and feisty with the people that they're around and they'll headbutt them they do that to each other as not necessarily a sign of affection but that's how they play so it's not really like they're trying to hurt them or be mean they're just like hey i love you i'm gonna i want to play with you because you're my human and i love you We talked about all of the Pasco, Yasmeen, and the Duke, because it's perfect. I want to bring up one specifically because it's more Pasco and Sandry. It's the remember to do those exercises tonight before you get too stiff. I'm not stiff at all. I'm weak as an overcooked needle. (laughs) Pray excuse me while I crawl home. A hot bath will help. Oh, good. A way to drown myself before I have another morning like this one. That is a whole ass mood, though.
4: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
3: Like Like, Goodwin said, he's funny. Like, I love him. I I think I said it earlier when we first started this book or right before (laughs) we started this book. Basco is my son and I would murder a man for him. I love him (laughs) so much. Briar is my boy. I relate more to Briar than anybody else. Posca's my son. <laughs> He's so snarky and so funny, and I love him.
6: Ready to pop the question? For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.
2: Part two is reading like a dedicate. This is where we look for a theme or a message in the chapter. So this isn't exactly a theme for the chapter, but it has to do with themes and thematic stuff, so I saved it for this section. I really like how Pierce had Sandry dealing with this Unmagic issue because thematically it suits her character and what she has gone through so well. Because in the first book, we saw her having nightmares and she's afraid of the dark. And now it's like the same thing but through a fun house mirror, because now she's having nightmares of being swallowed by this unmagic. And so constantly she's sort of being chased by this like darkness and blackness. And I just that thought that that was like a really nice parallel between Sandry at 11 and Sandry at 14. The real theme for the chapter that I found was distraction and Brittany's faces, so I'm gonna let her explain.
5: No, go ahead, it's fine.
2: (laughs) Sandry and Pasco are both distracted during meditation and the healer is distracted looking at the money so she doesn't realize that they're about to kill her. Even Elzaina is kind of distracted because Nurhar is telling her, like, how could you bleed? And she just doesn't really care. She's not thinking about why it's an issue. Mm-hmm. The mage is distracted by the dragon salt. Yasmin and the duke are distracted by each other. And uh, what's-his-name has the manners of a goat, so he's potentially distracted by something. So... Everybody is just a little bit distracted.
5: Um, the main distraction I found was with Sandry. Just like she was so worried about everything going on that she's using Pasco as a distraction from everything else that's going on. That way she doesn't constantly think about this because she keeps having nightmares about it. And she's like, it's not going to do me any good to keep thinking about this. My only job is to teach this boy So I'm going to distract myself with that. So that's the main distraction I found.
4: So the theme that I found was patience. Sandry was flustered as usual with Pasco, getting a little upset. But uh, she still did her best to try to uh, be patient with him and kind of guide him in the direction that she needs him to go. The dude's hard to teach. He is a kid. She's a kid too, so she hasn't had a long time to also kind of build up her her patience but she's doing her best and the other example that i found was when Nurhar and Olina killed the healer and his guard she could have just yeeted his head straight off as soon as he was done fixing her up but they waited a little bit gave him money to put him at ease and then kind of lure the guard in and then took him out at the same time so they they yeah
5: they- Good patience, right there. Good patience, it's
4: I think. Good. Good, 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 good planning, good tactics. Yes.
5: Something great to learn
4: from. I think so. I think so.
5: Proper uses of two birds,
3: one stone. Mm-hmm. So I suppose that makes it my turn, doesn't it? Yep. Even an ill wind blows some good. We have all of this pain, suffering, murder, all of this going on. And there is still some of that in this chapter but it it is kind of a nice reprieve whether you call it distraction but it's thing nice while the situation isn't great (laughs) it is actually the opposite there's still good that comes out of it i mean we see and love the duke and yasmin which wouldn't have happened without this we see Posco and his relationship with Sandry and everybody else around him and how it's developing. And we wouldn't have got it without the situation. So it's some good in all evil most of the time. (laughs) Part three is
2: reading like a mage. This is where we use the text to craft magic in our own lives. What magic did you craft out of this chapter?
3: When Sandry first wakes up from that nightmare where she's being consumed, she grabs on to that crystal and it shows light. And it says the light turns shadows into bed curtains. The dark at the foot of her bed was just the coverlet. Turned back for this warm barley month night her hands and nightgowns showed pale, not dark. I think we all kind of need the reminder that sometimes the things we're scared of and that we worry about will never come to fruition. If you look at the worst case scenario, then you're going to constantly have this dread. But the likelihood of it really coming to fruition is minute. In most cases, in some cases, it it is a very real possibility that the worst is going to happen. But from day to day, I know I have a lot of anxiety of when I perceive people to be upset with me. I'm like, oh no. They hate me. They're never going to talk to me again. Oh, this is going to affect so much about my life. And then like two hours later, it's like, oh, everything's fine. (laughs) It's one of those things I know that I need to remember, but I think everybody kind of needs the reminder that sometimes the worst case scenario is not actually going to happen regardless of the situation. It's, it's needless worry.
4: I really, really relate to that. In my line of work as a real estate agent, there is sometimes something unfortunate happens with either a loan or a client or something goes wrong and you have to try to fix it. And those moments when you have to talk to another agent about something that they might not be happy about. Sometimes I stay there thinking like I should put this off to the end of the day. I'll talk to them about it the next day, just putting it off, putting it off. And like, staying stressed about it sucks it's better to just get it done and over with right now and not have that worry over your head and sometimes it's not as bad as it might seem initially like just getting it done and over with and not having to worry about it feels great
2: i actually had that recently with doctor's appointment on december 9th and i wrote down the 19th and so i missed my doctor appointment it took me until last week to reschedule because originally I just forgot because it was like the end of school and everything and then like Christmas so it's like the first week of January and I'm like oh shit it's taking me like three weeks to reschedule and then I didn't want to reschedule because I felt guilty about not rescheduling earlier and I felt like people were gonna be like what is wrong with you blah 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 and so I finally did.
4: So the personal magic that I found was um, doing too much -hmm. Sandry not quite having a panic attack, but being so overly concerned about having to like catch these killers when that's not her job she was given one job that she has to take care of and that's to get this kid trained and that's what she needs to be focusing on she can't be putting all that stuff on herself you know obviously she's going to because she's that kind of person but she shouldn't have to and that kind of just reminds me of me doing stuff that i'm not necessarily like obligated to do but i put myself in a position to be like hey i'm gonna do this and and taking on a lot more than i really should be Uh, i'm just guilty of kind of doing the same thing as hers like starting to worry about all this stuff and putting too much on my plate sometimes you just need to back off and not do so much
5: i do the same yeah the the part where sandry's
2: like this isn't my job i should let them take care of it that really hit me
3: yeah i think on a lot of levels we're all kind of guilty of that feeling that the pressure and the weight of oh, I need to do something. Oh, I've got got to do something about this. And sometimes there's literally nothing you can do. It's just, it is what it is. And you just kind of have to let it go and let it happen. And as a person with anxiety, I'm not like, probably the best person to say this, but sometimes the worry and stress of Doing these things that you've built up as oh, I've got to do this. This is if if I don't do it, no one else will, or feeling like you have a responsibility, even though it's not technically your job, or technically something that you should be worried about. You just kind of gotta let it go and let it happen and let other people do what they need to do.
4: Mine
5: is at the beginning when Sandry and Pasco are talking about uh, what Posco's uncle said, and Sandra says something like, your uncle may know all there is to harry your work, but he's no mage. He ought to talk about things he doesn't understand. I feel like sometimes I catch myself talking about things that I don't fully understand, and I'll have an opinion about it, and I'll try to talk about it like I know what I'm talking about, and I don't know shit about what's going on. <laughs> so I just need to learn more about information, I guess, before I try to talk about it, I guess, is my magic. I have two, I guess.
2: I really like when Pasco tells Sandry, so what's the point? And she says, the point is there is no point. Sometimes there doesn't have to be a point. Sometimes you just like to dance and you dance so well that you're magic at it and you need to dance more. Otherwise you blow up the world. I guess there is a bit of a point there, but sometimes there is no point. And then the other thing is I've started working out again.
4: So nice. Good for you. Awesome. I need to do that shit.
5: I was doing that and then I got pregnant and I was like, Yeah,
4: it's fine. You have.
5: <laughs> My church has been able to open up again,
2: and we've been able to go back to having choir. And I'm singing soprano now. And a couple weeks ago, I was like, I am out of breath. I can't hold these notes. I can't hit these notes. And I was like, I need to get back in shape so that I can sing better. Previously, like the only reason I've had for working out is like I should because it's healthy and because I'm overweight. So basically, it was like working out was like a punishment. (laughs) Now instead, it's something that's working towards something positive.
4: That's a really good way of looking at it. So I've I've always had that issue. I've always been like on and off working out and like, it sucks. It's not fun. But if you have like a positive reason to like keep going back to it, that's really good.
2: That's what we see with Pasco because Yasmin literally tells him like, you want to dance, you have to work for it. And she shows him, look, I can do all this stuff but that's because she she's done these stretches and these exercises and she's been doing this for years. I don't need to be a world-class singer. I don't need to be the Yasmin of singers, but I would like to be my personal best. And I know that right now I'm not. I know that in the past I have sung better and I think I can be better if I get my diaphragm back in shape. <laughs> At the end of our episodes, we like to have an excerpt from the next chapter. So this is an excerpt from chapter 10 of Magic Steps. My lady, Captain Case, had come in. He bowed to her. All done? He asked the investigator who had questioned Sandry. She nodded. He jerked his head toward the door. The woman bowed to Sandry and left, taking the scribe with her. Well, the captain said, his dark face wooden. I must say, my lady, it would have been better if you had left this unmagic to Master Wolfric's assistance. The captain tucked his thumbs in his belt. I am sure his grace will be most displeased when he learns of your involvement here. Sandry rubbed her hands over her face. At least you had the sense not to interrupt me while I was working, she informed the man, ignoring his indignant gasp. And my uncle will understand why I involved myself. Pasco really is related to you? Because he's not at all stiff. She was being rude, as rude as her friend Triss. She would probably spend days writing a properly apologetic note after this was all over, but just now she didn't care. You are under a strain, lady. Case appeased, Case appeared more wooden than ever. I have told you, violent scenes like this are no place for a gently reared young woman." And while our family is gratified by your interest in my scapegrace nephew, it does no good to encourage him in his odd imaginings. Dancing, even dancing magic, whatever that means, will not clothe him or feed his children when he is a man. It would be better for you to send him to Lightsbridge or Winding Circle for lessons and for him to settle once and for all into the training he needs for real work. Sandry got to her feet. This time, she trembled with fury as she stared up into the captain's eyes. Until you know more about magic, you will not voice opinions about it. Each word dropped from her lips like a chunk of ice. For your information, I am proud and honored to be Pasco's teacher. He will be a credit to me. If he's a scapegrace with odd imaginings, perhaps it's because no one gave him a reason to think he had anything good to offer. The captain came to a jarring halt against a windowsill. She had backed him out of the inner office and across the outer one. He will settle for wherever his power takes him, and if the mages of Winding Circle Temple can't tell where that is, I really don't think you should even hazard a guess. Am I done here? The captain nodded, tight lipped. Then I have business that will not wait. Sandry looked around to see if she had forgotten anything. Good day to you, Captain Case. She strode out of the room and down the hall, ignoring the provost's guards who were there. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
5: damn
3: when I because I was reading this Ooh. earlier today I got to that point and I was just like god damn
2: Sandra is such a fucking savage
5: <laughs> reading circle temple is produced by us Molly, Brittany, Indy and Goodwin if you like the show tell your friends about us
3: if you don't like the show tell your
2: enemies <laughs>
4: Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.
5: Or tell us
2: what you think by emailing us at templeofreadingcircle at gmail.com.
5: Find all of our episodes at readingcircletemple.com and find more sound clips by following the Reading Circle Temple on SoundCloud. Never miss a post by following Reading Circle on Tumblr.
4: You can also follow Reading Circle Temple on Facebook and join the Reading Circle Temple Facebook group.
2: See our cats by following reading circle temple on instagram
5: or you can tweet at us at reading temple a special
3: thanks to yellow is for happy for our artwork if you like their art follow yellow is for happy draws on tumblr and shannon and draws on instagram
4: another special thanks to Brittany's brother thomas dick for our music find more of his music by following thomas dick on soundcloud
2: thanks to tamara pierce for writing the circle of magic and thanks to you for listening
5: Let's all have coffee next week.
4: This wouldn't be a bad stinger.
5: <laughs>
2: Stop licking me. Uh, that
1: that's would a good one, be
2: one, too. <laughs> <laughs>